0: John's vision in Revelation chapter 19 alludes to the marriage supper of the Lamb. He is seeing the final stage or culmination of a future event. According to Hebrew wedding traditions, two distinct events precede the wedding feast, the betrothal and the wedding parade to the groom or his father's home. Interestingly, Scripture precisely outlines these two customs with one's commitment and faith in Jesus in conjunction with the rapture of the church as outlined by Paul in the New Testament. Join us now as we unpack both Old and New Testament scriptures showing the promises of Jesus to his bride, along with the mystery Paul describes in his letters to servants of Jesus Christ. I am Mark Russick and you are listening to the Russic Outline. As always, just my opinion. Hello, everybody. My name is Mark Russick. You're watching and listening to the Russick Outlook. Thank you so much for joining. Very grateful that you're here. Uh, today's topic: the marriage supper of the lamb and the rapture. What I would subtitle: a match made in heaven. And I'm going to break this down in the sense that I believe that they are tied together. I think Scripture is abundantly clear with this. I'm going to explain why. And before I do, I'm just going to ask, if you wouldn't mind, uh, for those, if, if, if you enjoy presentations or information like this, if you can please hit the like and the subscribe button, I would be very grateful. Uh, And also ring that bell, depending upon the platform that you're on. It really helps us get the information out. As many of you know, my heart is to get to the truth of the matter, no matter where it leads, centered on the Word of God, because the Word of God has been proven time and time and time again to be infallibly true and correct, no matter how you would possibly try to look at it otherwise. Uh, And and I've gone through that, so uh, I've covered that in the past. But my point is, that's my heart, so we also look at other avenues. Uh, Let me do this. I, I look at historical evidence, archaeological evidence, eyewitness accounts, anything that can lead to the heart of truth. Whether it's a topic that we're specifically talking about with the Bible, which more often than not we are But I also look at current events, cultures, what's happening in society and things, and just sciences. I I love uh, looking and engaging at different uh, aspects of science, so we cover a lot of that. Technology, I'm a little bit of a tech geek, so uh, you know I I try to look at all these things, but through the lens or through the prism uh, of of the Word of God and of Jesus Christ. Uh, So for others, when I talk about the rapture, if you're not a believer, I I know you've probably heard of the rapture. Tim LaHaye made it very famous with his book, Left Behind, his book series, uh, and and Jerry Jenkins, the co-author. Uh, and I say that because most people have at least heard of that, whether you're a believer or not. So you understand that. But I also understand that if you're not a believer, this may seem a little bit aloof or far off. And, and I'm going to try to break down as best I can as it is laid out in the Word of God and some of the evidence that we see around us today. So on that note, last, I'll just ask if you wouldn't mind, Uh, Jump on the Russick Outlook and sign up for our email uh, list. We notify you of new events, new things that are coming out. We're doing some new live uh, Zoom presentations, what I call uh, interactive Bible gatherings, where we can talk with one another about breakdown of subjects, questions, comments, you know, we're all of that, um, we allot for that that time. So on that note, let me get into this, uh, because there's a lot of information to unpack. And as I said, I am very excited about it. Uh, so let me, let me go to the next slide and show you what we're talking about. And it doesn't want to move. There we go. Sorry about that. Marriage Supper of the Lamb. That's part of live TV. Bear with me. Uh, but we're talking about Revelation 19, 6 through 10 is where uh, th- this is given the account. And it says, uh, Let us be glad and rejoice. Give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has is come. And his wife has made herself ready. Uh, and, and it goes on to say, if you're following me on video, uh, I, I highlight in blue and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. So just as a, a bride presents herself with a white wedding gown, pure, that she's presented herself ready for her husband, it is the righteousness that we are in Christ Jesus, not by anything that we've done on our own, but by everything that he's done for us, which is the blood of the Lamb. Uh, and it says, it goes on to say, "Blessed are blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb." So, if you're invited, and and I'm, you know, I say it very, very humbly, I am invited. So I I, I hope you are too. But I wanted to jump down to the bottom. If you're following me on video, it says, uh, "Jesus worship," uh, it says, "Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is." the spirit of prophecy. I'm emphasizing that because everything that we're going to be talking about in this presentation is prophetic. It is looking into the future of future events. And one quarter of the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament combined is prophecy. Two thirds of that has already been fulfilled. So again, that goes to the truth, getting to the heart of the matter. There are things that we know these books are, are, are written thousands of years earlier and, Uh, just as certain things were documented that would occur, they have occurred. This is why I say the truth and the validity of Scripture and Jesus is undeniable. Uh, It's only, you know, I I recognize that everybody doesn't believe, but uh, if you look at it objectively, taking many, and and I'll just say it this way, if you have any prior beliefs, taking that out of the equation, uh, and if you look at it from that standpoint, the, the, there's no, there's no denying it. There's no denying the validity of, of of Christ in Scripture. So, let me let me get on with this. And what I'm going to be basing this on with the marriage supper of the Lamb. Let me say it this way: that John's vision that he is seeing is the actual event. Prior to that, there are there's two other phases. There's three phases, and that's in according to a Jewish wedding feast in the time of Jesus day you had what was called the betrothal period you had the uh what what I would call the parade period and then the actual wedding itself and I believe scripture is pretty clear that it lines up and the rapture of the church lines up exactly with what I'm talking about so you know let me show you here the betrothal period begins with we see this today in 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 certain cultures where it's an arranged wedding that the parents of the groom and the bridegroom will get together and they arrange the wedding. And there is a down payment that is generally paid by the, uh, the, the father of the groom. And I would say that down payment is already done. And that is he gave his son for his bride. He gave the life of his son for his bride. So that is the, that is the down payment. And then you get into what is called the betrothal period and i would say that's much like um you can look at it as an engagement period today and and that's generally lasts about a year or so but what happened in those days the uh the husband or the soon to be husband would go off and prepare a place for his wife so he would go off for approximately a year or so could be longer could be shorter and much like jesus says i go to prepare a place for you or i go to my father's house to prepare a place it's the same premise it's following exactly in line with the jewish wedding custom so you know here you have and this is what i would say then when he comes back he comes back for the bride and 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 her bridesmaids and the groomsmen and there was literally party in the streets they would come out with candlelights. And it would be a parade that would lead up to the Father's house. And this is falls in line exactly with what Scripture has laid out. It, 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 Jesus returns for his bride. And that's what I say is the rapture of the church, that he comes unexpectedly. You know he's coming, but you don't know when. Just as Scripture lays out for Jesus, we know he's coming, we just don't know when. And I'm going to get into the, the 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 scriptures that relate to the rapture. So, but bear with me. But that's, that's the traditions that I'm trying to point out. I'd also like to look at a, a couple of other scriptures here. Isaiah 61.10. Uh, if you're following me on video, I've got it as the highlight. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. Isaiah 49.18. Uh, as surely a, a, as I live, declares the Lord, you will wear them as ornaments and you will put them on like a bride. Throughout scripture, he is constantly uh, referencing us as the bride of Christ um, or even in Old Testament as, as his bride. And I'll show you many more scriptures that bear this out. But I also wanted to point out what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11 here. He said, I promise you to be the husband to Christ. Uh, and he's concerned because he wants to present himself Or he wants us to present ourselves pure, uh, you know, which is really what we're to do. Uh, James goes on to say in Scripture that you you know we don't want to be like the world. He considers it a form of adultery. That if we give in to sin and if we uh, give in to the the cares of this world and take our eyes off of Jesus, you know, that's really what the the analogy there is, is that of a bride. That she prepares herself, she waits for her husband, she. You know she's waiting for that time, and then uh, you know that's what we are to do. We're we're presenting ourselves, preparing ourselves for that time of Jesus' return. Uh, that last scripture that I referenced was James four four uh, about how we are to prepare ourselves. Uh, I lay out here on this slide that these are distinct events: the betrothal period and the and the marriage, um, and and that's why I say you know you can look at it this way too. Mary and Joseph were in the betrothal period. Joseph had had committed himself to Mary, which is why he was, you know, not, not, you know, understandably kind of a little freaked out when he realized that she was pregnant with child because they were betrothed to one another. She had committed herself to him, so you know that's what this second phase uh, is talking about. And when I when I mentioned about the parade, the analogy there, and I'm going to break this down in, in a couple of slides is we're going to be talking about the the uh, parable of the ten virgins and and that you have the exact analogy and then that leads up to the marriage supper but what was interesting too is uh, during these times the marriage supper would last about seven days Um, and sure enough the marriage supper here will be lasting seven years you have that seven-year trial or tribulation and the marriage supper of the Lamb will go on during this time in heaven Um, It also says here, and and I'm showing you in the lower right if you're following me on video, attending the wedding feast will not only be the church as the bride of Christ, but others as well. These others include Old Testament saints. So for those of you who do not know, in in the rapture of the church just prior to, if we're living, um, I'm going to put it this way, the scripture would say that we're going to be called up. But just prior to that, any of the Old Testament saints or people who have gone on to die before us and be with the Lord, their bodies are resurrected, they're taken up into the air, and they, they will all be present at the wedding. So, and, 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 I, and I'm going to show this near the end, but it's, it's I think it's going to be pretty cool. Uh, King David's going to be at your wedding. Abraham's going to be at your wedding. Paul will be at your wedding. Esther, Mary, uh, you know, it, it's going to be wonderful. I mean, I just, you know, I, 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 it, I get a little giddy thinking about it, because if you're the father of the bro- father of the groom or the father of the bride, you're going to invite all your friends and family. So all of heaven is going to be, and all eyes will be on you, because remember, you are the bride of Christ. So, uh, you know, it's e- even something more to, to look forward to. Um, I did want to uh, get into something here, too. The... Uh, I find this interesting. The very first miracle that Jesus performed was at a wedding, uh, the 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 the, uh, the wedding at Canaan, and I'm, I think most people are familiar with this, where he turns the water into wine. So let me cut to this for a second. Um, it says here that the you had the six water pots of stone. I've covered this before. I think six is is there for a specific reason that that would represent a. a in time that leads up to the wedding could be the 6,000 years, and I believe it does. Uh, And again, I'm not going to go through all of that now, but the point of this is is that he not only performs the miracle, but if you're familiar with with this account, and you can find this in the book of John, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, um, the, the governor of the feast tastes the wine, and it's at the end, and he said he's marveling at it because He's he's saved the, the best wine for last uh, And, you know, normally if you go to a party They put up all the good alcohol or the good food or, or whatnot up front And then as people drink and go on They don't taste it if something's not as good But here, when Jesus blesses the wine It is the very best wine And he says, you've saved the best for last And I would say that that is what's going to be the case And I'm going to show you another reason why If you look at Matthew uh, 2, 26 through 29, and I I highlight this, uh, um, this is near the end of of before he's going to be crucified, but he says this, uh, but I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink with you in my Father's kingdom. So he will be drinking with us. He will be drinking the new wine. So he said, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be engaging in this really until the wedding feast has come. So that was, uh, kind of a side note, if you will. Let me get to the next slide. Uh, come on. Sorry. Oh gosh. Live TV. Bear with me. Oh, there it is. Sorry. So here's the parable of the 10 virgins. Forgive me for that. Um, I I want to read this from the top. Uh, At that time, the kingdom of heaven, and I want to emphasize at that time, he's talking about uh, the disciples. If you read chapter 24, it's all about what happened beforehand, what's leading up to the return of Jesus. His disciples are asking him, what are the signs? So... it's kind of a continuation from 24 into 25 when he gets into this this new parable, which is the parable of the ten virgins. It says, It will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took the oil in the jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. I would say some people, you know, they, they're, they're waiting on Jesus and they're getting tired. You can almost draw an analogy of what happened to with his disciples, and, and, you know, in the garden. They fell asleep. Uh, then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, give us some of your oil our lamps are gone out. No, they replied, there, there may not be enough for the both of us. And you instead go, go sell those and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready with went into the wedding banquet. So here you have that parade that I'm talking about. The bridegroom arrives and he's ready to take them. They have their oil, they have their lamps. It, you know, this is what would happen in Jesus' time. They would have these torches and lamps and a parade leading up to the Father's house. and it, and it goes on. And he says, the virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the others also came, Lord, Lord, they said, open the door. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. So, you know, there you have it. Uh, that That's pretty much the the, uh, the betrothal period leading up to the parade and then right into where he's taking us to his father's house and that's where I say that's the rapture of the church where we're engaged and I'll break down why I believe that's the rapture. Uh, also just I, I, I highlight here so many other scriptures uh, that, that point out about the Lord analogous to the to the marriage. Um, Mark, 2, 19 through 20, and Matthew, or the same account, Matthew says this, Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and they will fast. Uh, John thirty seven twenty: He who has, has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, his, this joy is fulfilled. Uh, think of you know John the Baptist. He he knew the bridegroom. His joy was there. He was kind of announcing the you know the the coming of the Lord. He was announcing the bridegroom has arrived on the scene. Um, Isaiah fifty four five. For your Maker is your husband. Uh, Hosea two nineteen through twenty. I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice in loving kindness and mercy. I will betroth you to my faithfulness and you will know that I am the Lord. Uh, Isaiah 64, 4. Uh, for the Lord delights in you and you, your land shall be married for as a young man marries a virgin, uh, shall, so shall your sons marry you and as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. Uh, I, if you go to Ephesians 25, 32, it breaks down how the church is the bride of Christ. So, you know, here you see all these different, uh, analogies that are coming up. So let me, let me kind of sum this up, if you will. Uh, let me show you this slide. If you look on the lower left, you know, there you see the, 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 uh, uh, the wedding customs, uh, you know, it's the time of Christ. It was signed by the parents. As I, I kind of broke this down where the, the father signs the, the dowry or the down payment. Um, additionally, this, this contract was signed by the bridegroom. So when we commit ourselves to Jesus, we've signed that contract. Uh, the bridegroom is accompanied by his male friends, uh, and they went to the house of the bride at midnight and creating that torchlight parade. So that's what we were just talking about in the parable of the ten virgins. Um, And and as they kind of go through the streets and it's kind of, you know, we're going to be coming up and we're going to be carried up with the Lord. Um, And so that's that parade that's leading up into heaven. I mean, think of it. We're going to be meeting Jesus in the clouds, it says. You know, all of us, Old Testament, New Testament saints. uh, It's going to be quite a parade leading right up to his father's house. Uh, The events described by Jesus in Revelation describes the third phase. And we kind of broke this down how what John saw was the actual wedding feast itself, the culmination. So you have the betrothal period. We've committed ourselves to Jesus. Then you're going to have that parade where he calls you, and that will be the rapture of the church, and then ultimately leading to uh, the marriage supper of the Lamb. John fourteen two through 3, My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. So, again, that falls in line with exactly how uh, um, Scripture lays this out. It falls in line with the, the, the Jewish customs. The bridegroom goes away, prepares a place. Jesus said, I go away and prepare a place for you in my father's house. Uh, I, you know, you, you can't make it plainer than that. Uh, so let me kind of, now let me go to the next phase where I want to talk to you about the rapture of the church and uh you know i I, i've laid out how i know there's people who would think it happens mid-trib and post-trib so bear with me be 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 compassionate i'm going to show you why i believe the things that i do there are two distinctions of his one coming i don't think anybody would uh um challenge that they they recognize that it's all about the timing and i show you here in the in the lower left and right all of the scriptures that allude to to the rapture all of them that allude to a separate second coming so there's very clearly two different distinctions we're talking about the timing and what i say i'm going to give you a bunch of reasons now going into why i believe it's pre-tribulation um and i'm going to read first thessalonians 4 13 through 18 who have fallen asleep for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God for the dead in Christ will rise first. This is not the seventh trumpet of revelation. This is way before that. So some people will say, well, that's the seventh trumpet. It's not, it's clearly two different distinctions. Um, And then this is why I wanted to emphasize this. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So will be with the will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Why would Paul say encourage if you're supposed to go through the tribulation, through the wrath of God? And I'm going to show you many more scriptures that say that we are not to go through the wrath of God. So if you look at the book of Thessalonians, it talks about predominantly the second coming, the rapture, that's what this whole book is about. He was only with them a short time, came back to them because they were concerned about the, the timing of the coming of the Lord. Uh, so, you know, that, I, I just highly encourage you to look throughout that whole book. Now, I'm going to kind of sum up why I believe there are five very big points that I would say that uh, we will be raptured prior to the tribulation. Uh, Revelation 3.10 because those who have kept my command to preserve, I will also keep you from the house of trial, which shall come upon the whole world. So we know that the trial is the tribulation, and Jesus saying, I'm going to keep you from that. So here's number reason number one. Christians are not appointed to wrath. According to 1 Thessalonians, God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. So that this goes in line with the strongest uh, uh, books or or, or chapters on on the rapture of the church, which is the book of Thessalonians. Number two, the church is to be delivered from the wrath. Thessalonians 1.10, Jesus rescues us from the wrath to come. This letter is one of the first books of the New Testament emphasizing the second coming, which is really what I was talking about. Number three, the church is absent from Revelation 4 to 18. Now I've heard many people say just because it's absent doesn't mean that they're not there. and And I'm not going to go go into all of this, but I find it very conspicuous that you talked about you know, those opening letters to to the seven churches, and then there's no mention of it, even though we're talking about what's happening on the earth and we're talking about how God's moving. And then all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but later on in chapter nineteen, it's reintroduced. The church is reintroduced. So I say that that's that absenteeism is, is there for a reason. And I know people would argue that, and they would say, "Well, you know, you're you're inserting something just because it's not there." But I believe you have to, you know, come to some rational conclusions. Why is the church mentioned throughout the the, the New Testament, and then all of a sudden it stops for these twelve chapters? Uh, or, or do I did I do my math right? 14 chapters, and all of a sudden, then they're back. So I say that's for a very clear reason because chapters four through 18 is all about the wrath of God. He's calling still people to Him, but that's that's what it, it talks about. Then there's the doctrine of imminency, and I'm going to get into this. So we're always told, be ready. God, Jesus will come at any time, any moment. Well, if He's to come at any moment and then we know about these other signs that will happen, then we wouldn't have that imminency. We wouldn't have that be on guard moment, if you will. And then the fifth and final reason, you know, is what I read from Revelation 3.10. And, you know, it it goes on to say that uh, the the Greek word for from means out of. So if you took this literally, it, it translates as, I will keep you out of the wrath to come. It doesn't say, I will take you through it. I will help you go through it. He says, I will take you out of. You will not be part of that wrath to come. And you can look at other things in the Old Testament. You can look at Lot, Noah, how he they were taken out of those things that were to come. So, you know, that that's kind of how I would uh, in, interpret that. Let me go on with ta- talking about Paul now in 1 Corinthians. He says this, behold, I show you a mystery. So right up front, this is a mystery we shall not all sleep but we will be changed so meaning if you're alive that means you're there's going to be that point in time where you're called up into the lord if 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 you do not leave this earth beforehand so in the moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall all be changed for this corruptible must put on incorruption and the moral must put uh, the mortal must put on immortality so the twinkling of an eye can be defined as a speed of light as quick as a blink that's how fast this will happen that's how fast uh, potentially billions of people will be gone from the earth and then I you know I I go on to cite here with Matthew 24 40 through 44 uh, where you know basically one person's in the field and the other one's here and the other one's taken away it's that quick if you can look at the parable of the ten virgins ten, five were taken five were left uh so you know you you, you see a lot of that and it, you know the point is that we are to be ready uh for for the coming of the lord that he can come at any moment and you know th- it's I, I can easily see a husband and wife if they're a believer and a non-believer and they're walking hand in hand and all of a sudden one's gone the other one's here, uh, y- you know it's going to be that fast. Airplanes, a pilot could be gone. You know trains, automobiles. There's going to be havoc. If you look at scriptures, it says the Old Testament saints will be resurrected. I don't know if this is a physical, whether they come from the graves the bodies, but it said that they're bodies will be become immortal, that, you know, they'll, it's going to, I would say, a complete makeover, if you will. Um, but imagine not only are, are the uh, people gone from this earth in this sudden twinkling of an eye, but potentially graves could be opened. I, you know, I, I don't know that for sure, but it's speculation on my point. But I say, you know, that's certainly a possibility. Uh, let me get to this, the doctrine of imminency. And and I think all of you would know this. Uh, th- this is why I say pretty emphatically that the rapture of the church has to happen before the tribulation. Uh, the, the, the pre-tribulation rapture, it's the only view where imminency uh, is inferred because of the timing of things. All other views require a number of events that would take place. And I'm going to break this down for you. So in other words, if you're a student of the word and you're saying that you're to go through the tribulation, you know events that will happen. You know the sequence of things that are going on. So you know when Jesus will return. That contradicts what Jesus says. And, and, and I'll give you some, some reasons here. He repeatedly tells the church of his return would be a surprise. The Lord even went beyond that by saying he would return as a thief when believers generally don't ex- be expecting him to come. But of that day and of that an hour knows no man, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Watch therefore, for you know not the, the what, uh, what hour the Lord does come, but know this, that if the good man of the house had known in, in what in, in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched, and he would have not allowed or suffered his house to be broken in. So again, it's you know you're you're being on guard, you're watching, you're waiting because you don't know when he will come. He could come tomorrow. He could come in five years. He can come in ten years. I don't know. If you look around the things that are happening in the world, I would say is a good possibility that we could see the return of the Lord in the next ten years. But it wouldn't surprise me if it's tomorrow, uh, based upon what's going on. And and let me just say this too. There is nothing specific that has to happen, according to Scripture, before the rapture. There's nothing, there's no event that says this happens and then the rapture, which is why I think, you know, some people would argue with the timing of it. So let me continue. Watch, therefore, you neither know the day or the hour wherein the Son of Man comes. So this type of any moment language does not fit with a uh, post-tribulation rapture or a mid-tribulation rapture. if jesus were prevented from coming until after the battle of of gog of magog or the rise of the antichrist and the mark of the beast we would not have to watch for him before the tribulation that's my point and i'm going to show you these signs so you know we 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 know all of these things if you're a student of the word you know of what events were to come and you if we're to go through the tribulation then we could follow it. I think I, 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 hopefully I made that point clear. Uh, you know, I, would like to think so. So how about why is there a rapture? And it's really to save us from the wrath of Jesus. The, the, the seven year tribulation in totally encompasses the wrath of, of God to the point where Jesus said, if, if he does not put an end to it, the world would, would basically self-destruct, um, and then he's also because he's coming for his bride, so he, he wants to take us from what is to come, and celebrate with us and and, and, and engage with us. So let me read some things here, um, Revelation six fifteen through seventeen. I'm highlighting this in green. From the ra- uh, uh, let me see for all uh, fall on us and hide from the face of him who is seated on the throne. And from the wrath of the Lamb for the great day of their wrath has come who can stand. So he's pointing out here that the wrath of God has come. They're recognizing, they're seeing the events, they're they're seeing the seven seals being opened, and they're recognizing it, and they see that it is the wrath of the God. And the reason I want to point that out is going back to 1 Thessalonians 1, uh, chapter 1, verses 9 through 10, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Right there, it says it. He does not deliver us through the wrath, but from the wrath. Um, Luke 21, 35. Uh, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth, but stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape. Escape means to not go through or endure. You are not to endure the wrath of God. You're not to endure the tribulation. Um, Isaiah 26:19 through 20. Your dead shall live. Uh, your dead shall live. Their bodies shall rise. You who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy. Come, my people, enter your chambers, shut your doors behind you, hide yourselves for a little while until the fury has passed by. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 For God has not destined us for wrath But to obtain salvation Through our Lord Jesus Christ Again the words Therefore encourage or comfort one another Build one another up Just as you are doing Again why are we being built up Why are we to be encouraged Because we are waiting for Jesus And we're not to go through Through the wrath uh, that is to come Now a lot of times People say well what about Holy Spirit well, I, 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 I think scripture is pretty clear about this. And this is another reason that I think it's abundantly clear that the church will not be present during the tribulation. So let me break this down. Second uh, Th- Thessalonians 2, 6 through 7. And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so, Until he is taken out of the way, who is the restrainer? It is Holy Spirit. It is Holy Spirit who lives and reigns in us. But when we're taken away, he's taken away. He'll still have a role to play, but he will not be present in the body here on earth. Uh, So the Holy Spirit works as the restrainer of evil, and it says right there that that restrainer will be taken away. So if if the pre-tribulation assumption is correct. Holy Spirit's restraining influence will be removed. Uh, that Second Thessalonians 2, 1-12 through 12 mentions the man of lawlessness is held back until a latter time. So this is the lawless one or the beast or the antichrist. He will be revealed only when the Holy Spirit or the restrainer is taken away. So for those of so many people who are trying to figure out who is the antichrist who is the antichrist we won't know if you're a believer in Jesus you won't know it will not be revealed until we are taken up out of here so you know we can speculate uh, if we think that the time of the tribulation is in the next 10 20 years chances are that antichrist person is here on earth now um, but you know i we i can't say that for sure but it, i, I you know, if, I, if I'm to put on my logic cap, I would say he is or she is. Um, well, it is a he. I, I, I take that back. Uh, of all the views on the timing of the rapture, only pre-tribulation harmonizes when we understand that the, that the Holy Spirit is the restrainer. And I give you many more reasons why. But again, Holy Spirit will be taken out. He'll have a role to play because, remember, you know you have the two witnesses you have the 144,000 witnesses the 12 tribes of Israel so holy spirit will absolutely have a role to play but he you know with holy spirit in us with the believers and we're taken out that's when you know put it this way if you think about how crazy the world is right now or how out of control and the lawlessness and you know no matter where you live what country i'm in america but you see it everywhere we we're seeing it now in, in, in our neighbors to the north. We're seeing the lawlessness come out, and they're just, you know, what's happening out there in Ontario is, is just, it's heart-wrenching. Um, but it's the lawlessness that's getting out of control, and if you remove the body of Christ from the earth, you know, all bets are off. I'll just I'll, I'll just put it that way. So let me give you a timeline. See, here's your pre- and post-tribulation timeline. And I'm showing you you are here. So if you're following me on video, then you have potentially the war of Gog of Magog. So this is where uh, Gog being a president. Uh, this is Ezekiel 38, for those who don't know. And it, it talks about the assembly of nations that will come against Israel. And you can just look in the news today and you see it's happening right now. So these this assembly of nations is basically... It's, it's Russia, it's all of the southern Russian states the stand countries, Uzbekistan, Pakistan, uh, uh, Kazakhstan, uh, Afghanistan. Um, oh, I, I know I'm forgetting a couple, I apologize. But at any rate, you have those, uh, Iran, which is Persia in the Bible, Turkey, uh, all, all of them right now are assembled on, in northern Israel and Syria. So you have the militaries, Uh, building up right now, of Russia, of Turkey, of Iran. They're on the border of Israel today. So that's potentially how close we could be. The timing of the War of Gog of Magog, uh, I believe, will happen just prior to the rapture. There are some who would say it happens right after the rapture. I I, I can see either case. I'll put it that way. I'm not going to get into the whys. But I will say this, that that will be the precursor to the treaty that gets signed uh, with the Antichrist in Israel. That will initiate the peace. If you don't know about Ezekiel 38 and 39, please, you know, go check it out. I've done some videos on it, Uh, but it's basically, I think we're seeing the setup to that right here as I speak today. All of the conglomeration of nations is lining up exactly as the Bible said it would in the last days. And when we're talking about Ezekiel, you're talking about a prophecy 2,500 years ago where it said that Israel would be brought back a second time, which it is from 1948. And you would have this assembly of nations. And interestingly, most of the nations that are listed, you know, it's also some Northern African nations, uh, Libya, uh, Sudan, potentially Ethiopia, uh, they're heavily or predominantly Muslim. And there's a lot of bias, anti-Semitism towards Israel. So just 2,500 years ago was written about, sure enough, everything's lining up exactly, you know, as it was, as it was. But back to the timeline. So this is kind of where we are now. We're we're getting close to the rapture of the church, whether that war of Gog of Magog happens before or after. You can debate that, but it's going to be right around there. I'll I'll put it that way. And then, you know, the building of the Third Temple and, and, you know, you'll have that false peace treaty with, with Israel. That's how close... This potentially is. So, uh, you know, I, I would strongly encourage you that if you're not a believer to please look into it. Jesus is coming. He's coming soon. And he's coming for his bride. And that's the good news. So I, I, I want to stay on that. So let me go to the next slide here. So, again, I just wanted to talk about the signs where we're talking about imminency and that Jesus says we don't know the day or the hour. These are just some of the things. If you are a student of the word and we were to go through the tribulation, these are things that we would see, the war of God, the peace treaty, the Antichrist, the false prophet, the mark of the beast, the one world government, one world economic system, the rebuilding of the temple, the two witnesses, the 144,000, pre- the angel that preaches the gospel, and so forth, and, and not to mention the, the 21 judgments, the, 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 the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven bowls, destruction of Ab- Babylon in a day all of these things would be around should you survive or live through some or part of of this time. So it does not line up with what Scripture states. That's why I say that the rapture of the church happens before the tribulation. I, I, I think it's pretty clear. Um, I want to show you something that I think is absolutely beautiful. Song of Solomon is about the lover and the bridegroom. I, I think everybody knows this. And I'm going to draw some things here that I think is incredibly interesting. Uh, I'm going to kind of do a little back and forth with Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verses 8 through 13, and 1 Thessalonians uh, 4, chapter 4, 16 through 18. And this talks about the rapture of the church, first with the Old Testament saints, those who have gone before us, and then the rapture. So it says here in, se- in seconds, uh I'm sorry, chapter 2 of the Song of Solomon he comes leaping upon the mountains and slipping upon the hills. So we're talking about the bridegroom here. And you can take this as an aerial view. If he's leaping on mountains and skipping on the hills, it means he's descending. So only Jesus would be able to do that. Only Jesus would be able to leap upon the mountains. And, you know, some people may say that's a bit of a stretch. Okay, but that's how I would see it. And if I go to first Thessalonians, the Lord himself will come down from heaven. So I see that analogy, which is why I have them both highlighted in green. Then if you go to my uh, fuchsia highlights, uh, Song of Solomon says, my beloved spake and said unto me, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Rise up. Oh, that's an interesting play on words. This is Old Testament. What does the New Testament say? And the dead in Christ will rise first. So I, I see the correlation there. Then, if you go to the green highlight on the bottom, a second time he says, "Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away." What does Paul say in First Thessalonians? After that, we who are still alive and are le- on our left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So there you have it a second time. So I, I you know, I, I see the the analogy there, and again. Song of Solomon is about the uh, the lover and the bridegroom. And the other interesting thing for this is, I, I, I'm sorry, let me go back to this. The fig tree puts forth her her green figs. I'm following on the bottom of so- Song of Solomon. And the vines with the tender grape gives a good smell. Then, at, you know, it's at this time when he says, come away. And what is Matthew 24, 32, 32 through 33? This is Jesus he says, now learn this lesson from the fig tree. The fig tree is Israel. We know Israel was born again in a day in 1948. And as soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it's near, it's right at the door. So we see these things. Jesus goes on in scripture to say that a generation shall not pass away when you see these things will come to pass. Meaning when you see the fig tree's, uh, leaves prosper and, and summer is near only a generation according to Psalm, Psalms a generation is 70 to 80 years so let's say it's 80 years so if you do the math let me get back to myself so if you do the math if, if you wanted to go by 1948 if you go 80 years that brings you to 2022 that's where we are today I'm sorry is that right? No, that brings you to 2029. 2022 would bring you, though, through the to the rapture because you would have the seven years. Uh, so potentially, you could be looking at the rapture of the church in 2022 if you were to take those 80 years. And by that, I'm saying 80 plus 1948, right? That would bring you to 2028. You'd have to take away the seven years of tribulation, so that brings you to 2021, 2022. It's really the, the the next. It would be September. Would be the Feast of Trumpets, and it would be the Jewish New Year. So potentially, and it's also a Shemitah. I don't want to get into that. I feel like a you know a Shemitah. From, you know. <laughs> bad joke. Bad. Sorry. But at any rate, my point is, it may be closer than we think. And I think that these are are pretty clear scriptures. Song of Solomon. I give you Matthew twenty four thirty two through thirty three, and First Thessalonians. Again, twice in Old Testament and New Testament, it talks about arise, come, arise up. Uh, so let me go to the next one. Now, let me. This is very important to me. And it it touched me very much. So let me just, before I read these words, and I'm going to show them to you. uh, I've never done this before, but I feel like I I need to. About 17 or 18 years ago, I was spending some time with the Lord. I was going through a little bit of a rough spell. And I, I dedicated 40 days, and I was journaling, and I was writing. And by that, I mean I was trying to just, my questions, comments, whatever I was thinking. And then I would put my pen down and I would pick up a red pen and I would write on it whatever I felt like the Lord was saying to me. And, you know, I, I'm not going to say, you know, I always got it right, but I think when I look back at these ta- this time of writing that there were some things that were clear. So I'm going to read you something that I was totally not expecting, came out of the blue, but I believe it's exactly in line with what we're talking about today. And... When I look at these words, I do not write in this style. I cannot write in this style. It is just not me. So again, I was just writing, talking with the Lord, and all of a sudden he prompted me, and these were the words that he gave me. And he said this, you have a special invitation to heaven's greatest party. You have special VIP seating is had for you and for all, for this is the party of the recipient of souls, one for the kingdom of glory. The stage is set for all to receive their rewards from his most high and all his glory. He desires all to see his greatest moment when he welcomes nations into his home. The universe is not big enough for the love that he has for his children and he will not stop showing the love that he has for them. There is a moment written in the chapters of the book of, for God Almighty to rain down from heaven as, as he embraces his children man has not seen nor can he can he imagine what is to take place the angels await i'm sorry the angels await his every move in preparation for the grand finale of his grace yes there is a moment and a, there is a party that is planned tell them all that they are invited to witness the crowning of the king there is a moment depicted in the eons of heaven's time that Jesus is crowned with all of heaven's glory as he welcomes home his children and presents them to the Father as gifts to him. Man will know there is no end to the love between Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and the church, which makes them one. For this is what has been revealed for all of creation to know and see that Jesus is the Christ and his anointing will bring rest to all who seek him. Shout it out now that I am coming and I am coming soon. There is a day that heaven will see my finest day, and that day is coming soon. Jesus. You can say, you know, I'm just going to tell you from, from my heart that I believe that those words were inspired from the Lord. And the vision that he gave me was a wedding invitation. I'll go back to this if you look on the upper left. It's like you would receive an invitation in the mail, and it's written to everyone. Everyone's invited. And it's called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. And it says RSVP is required. And much like the back of an envelope, there's a seal on it. And I believe, if you look closely, I did my best to kind of show you what I believe was the seal is the seal is the blood of Jesus. And that is the wedding invitation that he's given to you. He's given to everyone that you all are invited to attend. I implore you to do so. Um, these are words that, again, that was uh, 17 or 18 years ago, and, and I've never forgotten it. I have it written down, and and I look through this time that I was writing, and there were so many things in there that's not my style and not my capability. Those words just now, um, it, it's just not who I am. It's not the way I, I function and think, which is why I believe it was inspired by the Lord. So I'm I, I, I'm doing what I what I believe I was told to do, which is why. You know, I played that out for you. I just want to remind you, I'm going to show you different faces of of people that all of these people are invited. And if you think of all of the characters and individuals in the Old Testament, the New Testament, they're going to be at your wedding. This is why I wrote, you know, the different books. And as I said before, you know, David will be there. Joshua will be there. uh, Noah will be there. We can talk to Noah if you want to find out about the flood. (laughs) Uh, just so many, so many others. I'm looking forward to meeting Paul and Stephen and Peter and, and John and, 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 and so many others. And, and, and they're going to be all there for you. And, and, you know, I think it's pretty clear. So let me just close with this. Uh, I just want to remind you of what First Thessalonians says. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air then we will be with the Lord forever. And I just want to remind you of what it says in 1 Thessalonians, Jesus who rescues or delivers us from the coming wrath. So, you know, we're not to be part of the coming wrath. Uh, This is is the, uh, I'm trying to, I'm not going to get it. There we go. Sorry. But this is what we've been given. And this is part of live TV so or live video. So I apologize for any hiccups or delays. I'm still working some kinks out. This is really the first official video that we've done where I'm not hiding behind, not hiding, but not behind doing an audio voiceover behind PowerPoint. So, you know, there are times where I've got to be working the different things. So bear with me. I hope you can forgive me. Uh, so I, I just, you know, I just want to say thank you again for your time. I hope you enjoyed this presentation, that you got something out of it. As always, any questions, comments, please email russicoutlook at gmail.com. Happy to help and, and answer anything. You've been listening and watching the Russic Outlook. And remember, as always, just my opinion.